So let's just start with what ADP payroll is. So ADP payroll speaks to private sector employment conditions in the U.S. And usually when we speak, we speak about non-farm payroll. So this just specifically looks at the private sector. And the U.S. private sector companies contributed to to the job creation by creating 178,000 jobs. And this is slightly below market consensus, which had forecasted that 185,000 jobs were created, which is a lot of jobs. Um, So based on the trends previously and in other months, about 100,000 jobs are required by the U.S. economy. However, they forecasted 185,000. So this tells you that the spare capacity which they have, which is very little. Remember, U.S. unemployment is at 4.3%, which is so far from South Africa, 2.7%. So this small capacity that they have, and if they're creating jobs at the likes of or the levels of 178,000, it means that that unemployment um, ratio is going to decrease quicker and quicker, and it's going to result in that labor shortage. It's going to intensify it. Um, so as the economy reaches its full employment, then job growth is also going to start slowing because I remember speaking earlier in the year about job creation and it was in the levels of 190. So now we're speaking about 178. So as as the economy tightens and as we see that um, now what's happening in the U.S. is the labor market is overheating, there's a shrinking labor supply and it's becoming more and more difficult for these companies to source employees, we're going to see that the numbers are going to go down um, more and more over time. So you'd ask yourself, where does the country get 178,000 jobs? There's so many. And jobs are reported across the different industries with only the manufacturing sector reducing the number of jobs. And the main increase came from the service-orientated industries. So that is everything except for the likes of mining, manufacturing, and construction. And just alone in the services industry, they created 174,000 jobs. So and you'd ask yourself, why is manufacturing decreasing and everybody else is just reporting job gains? And that's because if we all remember Trump, when he first came in, he had all these lavish ideas mm-hmm. of how he's going to stimulate the U.S. economy and create jobs. And it's going to be building um, fences by Mexico. And all of those ideas that Trump had hasn't actually come through and we've seen that he's he's had a very difficult time in putting through all the policies um, that he wanted to see come through during his tenure. So what's happening is that the manufacturing sector basically got ahead of themselves and they thought well if he's going to ramp up um, all these plans let's increase um, the number of people in job supply. So now they're seeing that all this demand that they anticipated isn't actually coming through and they're shedding those jobs. So the main contributors with services is education, trade, transportation, leisure and hospitality. And during the months of July, we do expect leisure and hospitality to come up because it's the summer months mm-hmm. in the U.S. And they get so excited over summer because they don't have winter like us. Um, so on Friday, the U.S. non-farm payroll comes out and non-farm payroll includes the public sector. So this one that we're talking about, it's just private sector. Non-farm on, on Friday is private and public sector. So this data that we see coming out today is just a preview of what we can expect on Friday. Yeah. And um, Venezuela. So, you know, we've been keeping tabs on Venezuela, what's going on in that country and um, political and economic crisis at this point. Mm -hmm. But how has this affected the financial indicators in that country? 
I find the story so fascinating and so interesting. This is just a case study of how quickly a country can go down. You think it can't because it's so big, but it actually can snowball so dramatically. And I think it's a lesson for South Africans and other countries across the continent of what indicators we need to start looking out for and how we need to start holding our government and leaders responsible before we get to this stage. So if I can just paint a picture of how we get to the financial data that we have in the country right now, is that we saw with the president of Venezuela wanting to amend the constitution, which led to all the widespread protests. And the people of the country have been so unhappy with the government um, because the country has been tanking, the economy has been tanking. And if we look specifically now at the economy and the structure of the economy, we need to now highlight that Venezuela is an oil-dependent country. And we know that the oil prices have reduced from those grand numbers of over $100 per barrel to now we are at around $50 per barrel. And this has resulted in significant decrease in oil revenue because the, the government is basically reliant on that oil revenue coming in. So because of the decrease in oil revenue, the country is now facing a cash shortage and they can't provide services to the people. And that's a main key thing to highlight because the government of Venezuela is socialist. So therefore, they must provide for the people. And at this moment, they can't because of the cash shortage. So in summary, we have hyperinflation. We have huge social burdens and we have a dependency on this one source of revenue and it's all spelt these fiscal problems. And what we're seeing is that the expenditure which is required to fill these social um, expenditure is much greater than the revenue that's coming in the country. And then this political and financial crisis led to S&P downgrading Venezuela at the end of July. And it, and it warned that there's a risk that Venezuela will not be able to pay its debt over the next six months. So as we know, we've spoken about this in terms of um, South Africa, what the effect of a downgrade is, and that is the increase in the servicing costs, and you have, you have a higher cost of paying back that debt. And what further exacerbated it, this is that from the downgrade, the 10-year government bond yields, which we also spoke about South Africa, bonds are used in order to get funding from foreigners in order for the country to be able to spend on social services, development, infrastructure, etc. Those bond yields went from 25% to 32% in two weeks. So imagine your bond payment that you had to pay is now at 10%. And then over the next two weeks, you now have a 20% repayment profile to, to take into account. So that's a lot for, for a country to now consider. So it increases those debt servicing costs. And then on top of that, the currency has completely tanked. So around the times of May, for $1, it cost 278 Bolvarius, so uh, Venezuelan Bolvarius, and now it's over 11,000 Bolvarius for $1, which is so dramatic in the space of, <laughs> of a couple of months. And I think another thing that we need to highlight, which we've spoken about before, is the need of diversifying an economy, which we spoke about in terms of Nigeria, their dependence on oil and how it affected their revenues and how it affected their country. And Venezuela needs to now find other sources of how to generate income and not depend on just oil revenue. Yep. And, um, you know, quite a few comments coming through, but I'll read those shortly. But, uh, Fundiswa, thanks for coming through once again. Thank you. And uh, speak to you again tomorrow. Fundiswa Nkuta is, of course, a research analyst. 104.3, the home of.